The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. You ever wish you had or hadn't said something? Now, on a rare occasion that you wish you had said something, maybe you were in a meeting or an interview, uh, or maybe somebody was being rude to you, and you're like after you left, you were driving away, and you were like, oh, man, that was such a good comeback. And like you had it running through your mind, and it took you a little while to figure it out, and you're like, I wish I had said that. But most of us, most of the time, wish that we hadn't said things. Now, I'm just going to pause and let that settle in because I think some of you are going to stare at me, uh, even if you're at, uh, you know, you're in Chambersburg, you're at cinemas, you're at one of our campuses, and you're just looking at me right now, and you're like, wait, I have to think about this. Yes, most of the time, I wish I hadn't said something, right? All you guys, you can shake your head and be like, that's so true. I've learned that the key to success is just keeping my mouth shut. Most of us regret what we said because we opened our mouth too quickly or we said what immediately came to our mind. And so I just thought I'd share a story with you about feathers. Hopefully when you came in, you got a feather. If you, uh, and so you can kind of pull that out right now. So there was a, uh, this story actually goes back about 1,200 years. And so it has been attributed to different authors, but I couldn't find the original. And so I'm just going to tell it to you the way I read it. Um, there was a a man in a village who heard something about one of his neighbors. And so he went out and began to tell other people this terrible thing about his neighbor. And as gossip goes, one person passed it on to the next person until most of the people in the village knew. And then the truth came out. And this man who had basically started the rumor and spread the gossip, he felt so bad that he didn't know what to do. And he went to a very wise man in the village and and he asked him for counsel. And and the wise man gave him a really strange instruction. He said, go home and I want you to get a sack full of feathers. Tomorrow, or right now, I want you to go out and I want you to place a feather on the doorstep of each person that you shared this information with and that you know knows the information. And then I want you to take the remaining uh, feathers and I want you just to dump them on your doorstep. And then I want you to come back tomorrow. So the man did this. He returned the next day thinking it was such an odd, uh, you know, such an odd thing to do. And the wise man said, okay, now today I want you to go out and I want you to pick up every feather that you placed out. And and he reacted like any of us. We're like, what? No, of course, that's impossible. But the wise man insisted so much that the man became awkward and then finally just did what he was told. And he spent the entire rest of the day trying to find these feathers. And he searched and he searched. And by the end of the day, he'd only found a few of them because, of course, the wind had blown these feathers over the span of a day all over the place and maybe even taken them away. Even the pile of feathers that he had put on his own doorstep had scattered and blown, and he could only find a few. And so embarrassed, he came back to the wise man with only a few feathers in his hand, and he said to him, here are the few that I found. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the rest. And you can kind of see where this is going. The wise man said, yes, that's exactly how words seem to work. It's easy to speak them, but it's impossible to retrieve them. You can ask for forgiveness, but you can never take back what was spoken. 
And so as you hold the feathers in your hands, maybe they will prompt your thinking to a proverb that goes like this. Let me just read it to you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8. The words of a gossip are like tasty bits of food. People like to gobble them up. You ever notice that you actually like to hear bad things about other people? It feels good. It sounds good. It's like a tasty morsel that you just can't help but gobble up. And I know something about this. Right now I'm raising my daughters and my youngest one is in middle school and so I've raised three middle school girls. I know something about words that get spread. I know just a little bit about drama. I know about little, just a little bit about mean girls being mean. And I've discovered that this proverb is true. Gossip words, words of rumor, words of drama, they're, they're tasty and people just seem to like to gobble them up. And maybe you have been the recipient of words spoken casually. People just said them and they didn't even think about what they were saying. They didn't think about what they were saying about you. They didn't think about what it would do to someone else. They just said it casually, just kind of off the cuff. But some of you have been the victim of words said callously. Someone said it and they didn't care how you would feel. They said it because it made them feel good and they spread it because it felt good when they heard it, but they didn't care about how it would feel to the person who was being spoken about. But then far more of us have been the recipients, the victims of words spoken in cursing, meaning they were intended to hurt. Let me go through that quick list again. Words spoken casually, just thoughtlessly. Words spoken callously, not caring. And then third, words spoken in cursing, meant to hurt. And some of you, you you've been the victim of your, your reputation being torn down. You, you've had people speak death over you. They spoke failure into your heart. They destroyed your identity. They tore down your self-image. And you were left picking up the pieces of a life torn down simply by words. And there's this little old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you and I both know, whoever said that, it isn't true. Man, you can heal from wounds, wounds of a stick or a blow, but the words spoken casually, callously, and curses, you hardly ever heal from those. They settle somewhere deep in your heart. And you and I right now, we can replay them in our thinking. We hear it as if we, we were standing right there. I mean, you could put yourself right back in the locker room, right back in that school hallway. You could put yourself right back on the phone. You can, you can reread that text message over and over. And it's like, it gets down in your heart somewhere. Somewhere where it fills you up with hurt. And hurt that fills spills into stinging words. And when someone speaks pain into your life, it comes out as poison. Because what fills spills. Feathers are nearly impossible to retrieve when blown by the wind and we don't get to take it back. And so what people have spoken to us, they can't just take it back. A little sorry doesn't make it all better. And your heart and my heart have been deeply wounded and what's filled 
has also spilled and there's feathers we wish we could take back. And there's uh, words that we've spoken that have been a blow to someone else's identity, to someone else's sense of security or self-esteem. And so the author of Proverbs, a book that began to be compiled around 950 BC by King Solomon, who was in biblical times and in sacred history considered one of the wisest men to have ever lived. He gathered together these famous sayings and he compiled them into a book that got included in the Bible and is considered, the, is called the book of Proverbs. But the idea of the book of Proverbs is not just that it's filled with fortune cookie good ideas, it's that it's filled with God ideas. But more than God ideas, it's filled with instruction in how to live skillfully. And so let's take that thought right there and say, how do we begin to live skillfully when it comes to the words we speak. And one of the things that Solomon does when he's challenging us how to live skillfully is he contrasts those that are foolish, they live foolishly, with those that are wise, they live skillfully. And so imagine your words, words spoken foolishly, words that are spoken casually, callously, and as curses. Verse, words that are spoken skillfully. So the first thing I want to do is I'm going to quickly give you some insight into what it looks like to speak foolishly, casually, callously, and in curses. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. The harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. What he's saying here is this. This is really important. What he's saying is, it's not only that what fills, spills, it's that what spills refills. We actually eat from what's coming out of us. It, we, we reap the wages of what we earned by what we spoke. This, this is, if you, if I, I could just stop right here and you could all take that and chew on that for a while. You could take that home and apply it to your life this week and it would be incredibly life-changing. If that you and I realize that not only is it what fills that spills, so if somebody has spoken hurt into me, it's likely I'm gonna speak hate to others. If they've spoken pain into my life, I'm gonna speak poison into others. But when the poison comes out, it's as if I'm the one drinking it. Then he says this, the tongue has the power of life and of death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There are people that love to speak death, and they eat the fruit of death. There are others that love to speak wisely, and they are eating the fruit of their own wisdom. And then he continues, and now, he's gonna, now I'm going to read through a, some, a list of sayings, and what he's saying here is these are ways that we speak foolishly. So he's giving insight. By the mouth of the wicked, an entire city can be destroyed. And you could, and, and you're talking in a time when cities were entire nations. You had a city nation. He's saying, what he's saying here is you could destroy your entire nation by the words spoken foolishly. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense. A gossip betrays a confidence. For the lack of guidance, a nation falls. And then he continues, let's jump ahead to Proverbs chapter 12. He said, fools quickly show that they are upset. Meaning a fool reacts quickly and gives full vent to their anger. Careless words stab like a sword. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
Solomon is saying, actually, careless words are like taking a sword and then stabbing someone through with them. They're more cutting and more dangerous. Fools can't keep from showing how foolish they are. This is where uh, another author got the idea of writing it this way. Um, Better to keep your mouth shut and be considered a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. They, they borrowed that concept from right here. Uh, fools can't keep from showing how foolish they are. They speak up and they reveal the foolishness in their heart. And so there is a lesson as we're running through this that I'm hoping becomes incredibly practical in your life. This is one of those sermon series we're going, hey, Google, you know, I'm looking for like advice on life, life hacks. But the book of Proverbs is not written to give us little life hacks but to di- for us to discover how to be life-giving. And so the principle here is this. If you look at how do we have life-giving conversations? How do I speak and my words are life-giving? First, I have to discover what he wrote, and that is that my words will either be life-giving or death-inducing. You have a choice. Death or life are in the power of the tongue. And so the principle that Solomon offers from the book of Proverbs is this, speak blessing rather than cursing. Can I challenge you to make note of this? I'm hoping that what you'll do is you'll pull out your smartphone or a tablet and you'll type this in. If you're on social media right now, we're not embarrassed if you are, don't be, don't be ashamed of that. Uh, just put this in all caps. This is what you're gonna post. And your all caps in this moment is not anger, it's a statement, all right? It's speak blessing rather than cursing. Now, for you, some of you, what you need to do is you need to write this down. Type blessing rather than cursing. Post blessings rather than cursings. Text blessings rather than cursings. DM, I am, whatever your emming is, uh, do it in with a blessing rather than a cursing. And hopefully when that comes out, you think, man, that's what I want. Uh, I want what comes out of me to be life-giving rather than death-inducing. So why is it that every time I open my mouth, it seems like the wrong thing comes out? And I'm always saying I'm sorry, especially to my, my loved ones. Why is it that most of the time in my life, I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. You're right, I shouldn't have said that. Now, I'm fortunate, my wife is incredibly sweet and she has to put up with me. Now, some of you are gonna be all kind and compassionate, but oh, Patrick, it's not that bad, actually it is. Um, My wife is so good, I I feel like I'm a better person anytime she's with me when I'm around other people. Because she'll like, I don't know, maybe husbands you're like this, like my wife, like she just like, she'll reach on the table and kind of tap my leg if I'm talking, I'm saying something I shouldn't say, and she's like, honey, and I know if she's whacking my leg, like I probably need to bite my tongue. Or, or she'll just reach over and she'll grab my hand, she'll squeeze it a little bit, and I'm like, uh-oh. And, and there's been a few moments, this happens rarely, where she reaches over and she's grabbing my hand or she's just tapping me on the leg, and I stop and I'm like, I wasn't even talking. What, am I, what did I do? And so I'll catch her after, and be like, honey, what was, I, what was I saying? She goes, oh, I was just trying to be affectionate. I was like, well, man, like I got all kinds of mixed signals. I'm all thrown off. That's like your way of helping me. Why, but why? Why does this seem to happen, right? Because what Phil spills, 
What's in us just comes out of us. And if we've received curses, we curse. If we've received hurt, we give hate. If we've been filled with pain, we give poison. And we can't help it because there's a source in us. Jesus said it this way. In, in the, the gospel of Luke chapter 6, he re, Luke is recording this moment. Jesus is teaching. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And we're all like, that's what I want. I want to be a good man that brings good things out of the good stored up in my heart. But an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now there's a lot of things we could say. What are you full of? But what he's saying here is what fills, spills. And then what spills, refills and it creates this horrible catch 22 that you and I can never get out of the trap of what's in us that comes out of us and then it gets back in us. And so what Jesus is saying is it's obvious. Good people speak good things out of the good in their heart and evil people speak evil things out of the evil in their heart. And most of us fall into the category, we don't want to say it's evil, but it's not good. Can we just say that? Is that, is that like more palatable? Like it's not always good. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it's evil, but we're not, who's going to question what Jesus said? So here is the problem. What Phil spills and what Jesus is, is trying to help people look at is what is in your heart? It's a heart condition. So we're all going to admit it. Your problem is not a speech condition. It's not a word condition. It's not a vocabulary condition, even though some of you need to change the amount of four-letter words that are in your vocabulary. Your problem is not your vocabulary that you grew up, you grew up around that kind of environment or you work in a construction job or you work in landscaping and that's all you hear all day. Uh-uh. Your problem isn't what you hear. Your problem isn't your vocabulary. Your problem is a heart condition. And what Jesus is saying is we need a heart transplant. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to give every one of us a heart transplant. So here's what you and I need. We need to take out the evil heart and have a transplant with a good heart. How do we receive that? Well, this is exactly why Jesus came. He took our sin. Sin is what fills. Sin is the spiritual sabotaging force that lives inside of every one of us that is the source of hurt and hate and poison that comes out of us. And so Jesus came. He took the collective death sentence of our sin on himself. He took our curses on himself. You and I, we carry it. The things that we replay in our mind over and over, he took all of that curse and he put it on himself. So when he died, he died once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin, guilt and shame, and the curse removed. And in place of the curse, he gave us his love because he not only died, he rose again from the dead. And in the power of his resurrection, Jesus conquered death. He defeated the source of sin that sabotages our words and our intentions and our thoughts. And he gave us the freedom from fearing eternal judgment by giving us eternal life. So that when you believe in Jesus by faith, it's as if you have a spiritual heart transplant. The evil removed and the good placed in us. So now we receive from God his goodness that fills us. And then spills out of us. So wait, let me, I'm, I'm going to time out. 
So right now, if what's playing through your mind are the list of curses that have been spoken over you, let me give you an encouragement that God wants to bless you. God wants to speak life over you. God wants to pour his word that is life-giving. Why do you think we so often as a church constantly go back to the Bible? It's not because we're trying to be legalistic or we're trying to stick to laws and lists of do's and don'ts. It's because you and I know that our hearts and our lives have been filled with the sin curses, and we need to constantly replace it with the blessing of God, the life of God that comes from the word of God. So I spend a lot of time in God's word because it's life giving for me. It reminds me of what God has said. It reminds me of how God loves me, how he is for me. And so right now, if you're carrying a curse, what you need is to get into God's word. You need to hear the voice of God, the father who is speaking value and love and hope and a future over you. So don't, don't even worry about what you're saying right now. Don't worry about what words you've said that you regret. Don't worry about the conversation you just had. What you need is a source of life-giving blessing. Now, when you receive that, and now you're tapped into the life-giving blessings of God, God's spirit is in your spirit, filling you with good so that now, out of the good in you, good should be coming out of you. Well, you've ever noticed it doesn't work that easy? Like, it's not like God just gives you a heart transplant and suddenly everything good comes out. That's because in the spiritual realm, it's not just a black and white, take the heart out, stick a new heart in. We, we're in the process of being transformed. So we are instantly changed. That's when you believe in Jesus by faith. And then there's this process of that change affecting the way we speak. And so this sermon is to give us instruction that we have to cooperate with God's spirit. Meaning your words have to cooperate with your thinking that needs to cooperate with your heart so that out of a good heart, your thoughts become good that affect good speech. So now how do we reflect the way God wants us to speak? And so let's jump back to Proverbs and then I'm gonna quickly unpack this for you. These are the sayings. This is how Solomon is instructing us to be life-giving. So he said, first, here are the ways that when you speak, it brings death. By a words, by foolish words, you can destroy a city. When you curse, you can tear down a nation. Someone who speaks too quickly. They speak rude. They speak thoughtlessly. They speak too much. They, they, they are quick to speak and slow to listen. Now he's going to reverse it. And he's going to give us the other side. Through the blessing of the upright, listen to this, the blessing of the upright, people who are living right with God, a city is exalted. When you speak, do you know that we could lift our city? You could actually put the city on the map. You could actually transform the environment of a city by the way you speak, according to Proverbs. But the one who has understanding holds their tongue. He goes, wise people are slower to speak. And then let me just continue to read a few more for you. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and the discerning and discerning if they hold their tongues. So let me give you two complementary ideas. They go hand in hand, and I hope that they um, give you instruction. The whole idea here is how do I speak blessing rather than cursing? And so I'm going to take that word blessing. I'm going to say, okay, how do we bless? And I'm going to give you two complementary ideas. The first one is this, to bless, speak 
what God has spoken. Speak what God has spoken. The only way you're going to know this is if you spend time reading what God has already said. That means spending time in God's word. What has God said about the cities that we live in? What has God already spoken in his word about your home, about your marriage, about your family, about your children or your parents, about a neighborhood, about a nation? And so what happens is if we're going to bless, blessing means our words are life-giving. They're life-giving because they're tapped into the source of God who is the source of life. And when I speak from the Spirit of God, my words become a blessing to those who hear them. So how do I make sure that my words are life-giving? Well, I have to speak what God has spoken. How do I know what God has spoken? I spend more time in God's word. And I'm going to give you a, a real challenge here. If you go back to the ancient Hebrew times, this is where we get the idea of thou shalt not murder, right? The idea of we shouldn't murder someone came from the concept that people were born, created, conceived in the image of God. This is why taking the life of a person, even an unborn person, is such an egregious offense to God because you're destroying someone conceived in the image of God. You're destroying the image of God put in them. But check this out. They parallel the idea of murder with hurting someone with your words. If you react in anger and you curse someone, you tear them down, you say, you idiot, you fool, you're stupid, you're a failure. You know what you're doing? You're tearing down the image of God in their identity, in their sense of security, in, their, in the way that they look at themselves in the mirror. It's as if you're murdering their esteem. You're murdering their sense of accomplishment. You're murdering their sense of God identity. And so in Hebrew times, it wasn't just, you know, killing someone with a blow or with a bat. It was, if you spoke words that murdered their heart, it was as egregious because you're destroying the image of God in their life. And it's a violation of what God spoke. So if we're going to speak what God's spoken, we have to first be careful that we don't speak what God has not spoken. Do not speak over people what God has not said about them. Do not speak casually over people. Do not speak callously over people. Do not curse people because you are saying something that is not what God has spoken. And it therefore is an inaccurate and wrong reflection of God to them. Someone knows you're a Christian and you're speaking things that is not what God has spoken, they now believe that that's who God is. So change how you speak to more accurately reflect the nature and the image and the character of God. And therefore, now let's switch gears and say, okay, what has God spoken? Well, how do I speak what God has spoken? I need to spend time praying for people. You want to you better speak what God has spoken in someone's life? Pray for them. Don't pray against them. Pray for them. Talk to God about them before you talk to them about God. I need to pray for my children, pray for my wife, pray for my friends, pray for my neighbors, pray for my city before I speak about my city. Okay, we pray for them. Then we, we listen to what God says about them. 
What is God speaking to me about my children? What is God speaking to me about my spouse? What is God speaking to me about my city? What is God saying about Hagerstown? What is God saying about Chambersburg? What is God saying about Washington County? What is God saying about Franklin County? That we begin to hear that, then we begin to speak that, then we encourage people. So pray, listen, encourage speak it over them. Then care about what they care about. Some of us, we have a problem. We only care about what we care about and then we speak it over other people. Dads, don't speak over your kids what you care about. Speak over your kids what God cares about and what they care about because God might have actually put that in them. Speak life over it. The power of blessing is this. It's different than just a prayer, and it's different than just words spoken. A blessing means that we are speaking the word of God into life over a person, a neighborhood, or a city. Why do you think I am so passionate about what we say and what we proclaim over our city, over Hagerstown and over Chambersburg? Because I believe that our words can build up or destroy a city. So let's speak life over our homes. Let's speak life over our marriages. Let's speak life over our children. Let's speak life over our streets and our cities and believing that our words, spoken the word of God, can transform and bring life into neighborhoods, cities, and maybe maybe even a nation. Now, I told you it was two, so let me give you the other piece of it. Proverbs 25, verse 11 says, the right words spoken at the right time is the right words spoken at the right time is, a, is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl. Now, this is a little hard to understand because I'm not sure if what he means, and I've researched this, I'm not sure if what he means is um, something like a statute that you would have put as an ornament where they would have built this in like a, a temple or someplace where it's an ornate display that is indicating value and something precious. Or there's another theory that the idea of gold apples, they don't have gold apples in Israel. That what he's saying is it's a, it's a golden fruit. It's an orange put into a silver pitcher. And what it would do is it would, it would become a silver oxidized. I'm not even gonna use the right terminology here, but it kind of like, you ever heard of this silver water? It has this profound healing agent. So another theory is that it's oranges in silver, orange juice in, in a silver basin that creates this healing concoction. And either way, what he's getting at is this. The right word spoke at the right time is valuable, precious, and healing. Okay, here's what I want you to write down then. To bless, speak with grace. Would you just say, everybody say the word Grace. Hey, at our campuses right now, would you say grace? All right, grace. To bless, speak with grace. The idea here is this. Grace is the riches of God, the goodness of God. It, it doesn't, it, you can speak graciously even when you're not speaking about God. Is it the way God would say it? Something you can ask when you think about whether you, when you're speaking. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it necessary? If we would ask those basic questions, I'm pretty sure we would eliminate drama. I try to teach this to my daughters. Look, I don't care what anybody else is saying to you. I don't care what anybody else is saying about you. When you speak, is it true? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? You can eliminate a lot of drama. You can eliminate a lot of conversations, frankly. So be slow to speak. Right? Quick to listen. I'm going to challenge you. 
when you text, when you type, when you tweet, when you post? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it helpful? Some of y'all, you need to be slow to tweet, slow to text, slow to type, not just slow to speak. Is it gracious? Do your words reflect the goodness of God? That's it right there. Okay, so I have, I have laid it heavy on you. I get it. This was a sermon I had to write and wrestle through myself. Because nobody gets to stand up and, and say, oh, I've got this all figured out. The, the author James in the Bible said, anyone who can have, has perfect control of his mouth is a perfect person. So none of us have got this thing right, which means every one of us need to pause and pray and say, God, help. Because I'm afraid I'm messing this up. And so you, you fit in one of two groups. Right now, you don't need to clean up anything you say. You need to hear from God. You need to receive the love of God, the blessing of God. You need God to transform the source of your heart. You need a heart transplant. If that's where you're at, then you just receive. Others of you, you have a heart transplant, but the old blood is still pumping through the veins. And you need to say, God, help me to speak blessing rather than cursing. Help me to speak what God has spoken and help me to speak with grace. You fit in one of those two groups right now. So would you take a moment? Would you close your eyes? Each of our campuses right now, would you close your eyes? God, I need to receive what you want to speak over me. Or I need to speak blessing. Would you make one of those two statements your commitment right now? Would you pause? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.